This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Are you sick and tired of biased hockey talk? Then you have come to the right place. The Drop focuses on the St. Louis Blues, but we also delve into other news from around the NHL. So tell the ref you don't mind the game misconduct penalty. You were headed to the locker room anyway to listen to The Drop. Here's your host, Lance Descott. Yes, everybody, it's that time again for another edition of The Drop Podcast. The podcast that gets to drop on everything St. Louis Blues and the big things happening in the NHL. We're going to talk about the so-called nasty Tom Wilson hit on Brent Sini. Before we get into that, I want to take a minute just to wish everybody the best up in Anchorage, Alaska, where they had the earthquake recently. I know what it's like to uh, go through earthquakes. Dealt with a lot of that as a young man before I moved to the St. Louis area. I was born in Southern California, right around Palm Springs. Lived there till I was about six and moved out here to the St. Louis area. It's not fun going through something like that, even if you're used to it day in and day out. But I just wanted to say everybody here in St. Louis is thinking of you guys up there in Alaska. We hope everybody gets through it. We're all here thinking of you and we wish the best for you in the near future and hope everyone gets back on their feet. Let's get into this hit. I would say a lot of people around the NHL, I'd say it's about 50-50 on whether it was a bad hit, a nasty hit. Wilson should have been suspended for 30 games. Wilson should have been kicked out of the NHL for a year. He should have at least got five games. And then the other side, it wasn't a bad hit. Not a bad hit at all. So there's a lot of opinions out there, whether it was a punishable hit, whether he should have been suspended, whether he shouldn't even have been given a penalty. I'm going to give you my take on it. You guys have heard my take on the Wilson Sunquist hit in the preseason. Everybody knows Tom Wilson's history. If you follow hockey at all, you know it. And a lot of people that don't follow hockey know it because they're the ones that use it for the fact that there shouldn't be violence in hockey. It's a Neanderthal sport, so on and so forth. I have watched this video, spent about 15 minutes on it. It's a short minute video. What is happening here is Wilson's heading to the corner. Sini is skating backwards. In other words, he's coming out to his point to maybe get a pass from his teammate that went around at the back of the net. As he's skating backwards, Wilson clips him. He kind of falls headfirst into his hands, lays on the ice. I'm here to tell you right now, I don't defend Neanderthalism, and I don't defend many of Tom Wilson's hits. But come on, guys. Brett Sini was skating backwards. Wilson was heading into the zone. Wilson clipped him. I honestly don't think it was intentional. I'm going to get a lot of people that are going to scream and yell at me because of his history. I understand that you're upset about it. I really do. This guy's had some bad hits that he should have got a lot more suspension time for. My take in the end is he shouldn't have been ejected from the game. If you want to give him a two-minute penalty, I understand that. Even though it was not intended contact and there was no intent to hurt the player, you could have got him for tripping or maybe interference, but the interference is really pushing it. A response from the league with a suspension? No. A response from the league with a hefty fine? No. Not in this case, guys. Send me your ideas on this. Was this a clean hit? Was it a dirty hit? Did he deserve a suspension in your mind? Did he deserve a fine in your mind? Send that email to lanced at droppodcast.com and let me know what you're thinking. 
I would love to hear from you guys. Let's go ahead and get into this game, the Blues versus the Coyotes. They were world beaters Friday night, had such a big game, beat the Avalanche, played a complete game, physical when they needed to be. They kept the Avalanche from skating around with the puck, kept the guys from camping out behind the net, and for the most part, pushed guys out of the front of the net and did their job defensively. And then they took advantage of some of their scoring opportunities. If it wasn't for both goalies, that game could have been out of hand very easy. A lot of people are hoping the Blues would come out against the Coyotes and have a very similar effort. It wasn't a great effort like it was against the Avalanche. Chad Johnson looked really good, was making the saves he needed to. But after that, it would get really bad and it would get really nasty quickly. Same issues we've seen from this team. Standing around, not taking their man. Four guys in one area. And you know what happens when you have four guys in one area? Other people get open, and that's exactly what happened in this first goal of the game. Usually teams are so aggressive on that sideboard. And now Chikrin, he scores! Jacob Chikrin from the high slot. The Coyotes get a power play goal. They've taken a 1-0 lead. The St. Louis Blues are going to kill penalties like this. They better be disciplined. That is just horrible. Everybody picking flowers. Chikrin all alone in the high slot. Johnson has to push right to left. He's off his mark. And Jacob Chikrin, a dart top corner right through Pareko, who screams Johnson on the play. Terrible penalty killing. I can't describe it any other way. I can't say that it was just a fluke. It was terrible. You had Barbashev and Pareko just standing there watching Chikrin get the puck, and they skate a little bit towards him, which you know what happens? Pareko screens Johnson. Johnson didn't make the save. But that goal starts with Pareko and Barbashev standing around. There's too much of this with this team. You have to be proactive on penalty killing. Sometimes you can sit back a little bit when the guy's a couple of feet from you as you're keeping an eye on him. But you can't let a guy be 15, 20 feet out in front of the net and get a clean, uncontested shot like that. You can't do it. Maybe Johnson should have made the save, but when you've got that much going against you with a guy being wide open, where he can pick his poison, pick it where he wants to go, and guys are going to stand around and then screen you, sometimes you're not going to make that save as a goalie. As I said, that was a power play goal by Chikrin, his first of the year. St. Louis and Clayton Keller gets his first point of the night and his ninth assist. 12 minutes, 27 seconds in, the Coyotes are up one to nothing. Arizona would outshoot the Blues 14 to 6 in the first period and will get most of the really good scoring opportunities. Going into the second, the Blues have to react. They have to come out and react quickly and get the first goal. Did they do that? No, St. Louis would not do that. But a St. Louis native would get a goal, Clayton Keller would get his eighth goal of the year on an assist by Schmaltz, who just came over in that big trade with the Blackhawks, 58 seconds in to give Arizona a 2 to nothing lead. Now Nick Schmaltz will pick it up. Schmaltz holds, drops it to the front. Keller! And he scores! Clayton Keller had a goal in Nashville, the game winner. He gets another one here tonight. It's 2 nothing. Well, it starts in the Coyotes' own zone. Up the ice they go. The St. Louis Blues, a bad line change. And Schmaltz just takes it, finds Clayton Keller like he's done since the minute he got here. And Clayton Keller finds the back of the net. The Blues allowed the Coyotes 
to skate into the zone uncontested way too much. You can't let any team do that. These guys are good, even the teams that are bad in this league, and you can't let guys like Keller skate around like that and not try to get him off the puck as quick as he gets it or stop him from getting the puck. Schmaltz kind of laid back a little bit against him, and Keller with that type of shot is going to score a lot of those type of goals if he's left open. Now, in my mind, Johnson should have made that save. That one is on Chad Johnson. He took the wrong angle to that puck, and when you do that, guys put the puck past you. That goal by Keller would be his eighth of the year. Schmaltz gets his 11th assist, 58 seconds in. Arizona's up two to nothing. But just when you think it's going to fall apart, the Blues get a fluke goal. Robert Thomas gets his second goal on a puck that went off of him from an initial shot by Jay Bomeister to get the Blues back in this game at two to one, just 28 seconds after Keller made it two to nothing. Now the Blues with it, O'Reilly. Back for Jay Bomeister. Shoots, and he scores! Thomas may have tipped it in, and it's two to one as the Blues come right back. Yeah, that's great response. Within 30 seconds, the Blues come back and cut the deficit in half. Blues fans on their feet here. There's quite a few in the stands here, but this was really a quick shot. Nice play in the corner. Get the puck back to Joe, Jay Bowmeister. Oh, maybe off step on. Who knows? Yeah, I can't tell, John, from that angle here. Yeah, that's, that's his skate. I think it went off the, the left boot there of Robbie Thomas. As I said, Bowmeister took the initial shot, got it on net, you know, sometimes I complain they don't shoot enough. And Bo Meester did this time. Something good happened. It went off of Robert Thomas. And the Blues are back in this game at 2-1. to one. I'm sure Thomas would have loved to score that himself. But you will take any goal that is credited to you. Even if it goes off your skate, your pants, your shin guards, your arm, your leg, whatever. It's a goal. That would be Thomas's second goal of the year. Bo Meester gets his third assist. Ryan O'Reilly gets his 16th assist. A minute 26 in, the Blues are back in this game. But don't get too excited because it all fell apart after that. Now Fisher tried the wraparound. Coyotes all over the crease. They're swatting away at it. They score! Christian Fisher, I believe, will get this one. It's a 3-1 game. Fish out of water. Chad Johnson doing his best to get a hold of this puck. The Coyotes hounding it. Fisher somehow finds it. And it finds the back of the net just over top of the right shoulder of Chad Johnson. Cut on, they'll get it to center. Over the line, here's a chance. Step on, step on across. They score! Nick Cousins has made it a 4-1 game. Now the Coyotes spreading the love around. The long pass off Archibald to Derek Stepan. That's a beautiful pass. Little saucer pass up and over the stick of the defender, and Cousins does the rest. Johnson comes out, he thinks he has him, and he throws a bullet top shot. That oh, shot deflected the over the top. Shot by Ponick. And now hit a Strozer right to the net. Rebound, they score, and it's Ponick on the follow-up. And that makes it 5-1 Arizona. This is a ridiculous play, the fake shot by Ponick. He misses that on purpose. Why? Because he knows Oliver ekman Larson is sniffing right behind him. Inostroza takes it to the net. Ponick follows Fisher up got the and he buries first it. First chance. Then all of a sudden, it looked like there were 30 Coyotes in the crease or near the crease. The Blues are trying to whack at the puck. Chad Johnson's trying to find it. He can't find it. He's still laying on the ice. The Blues aren't pushing the Coyotes out. They're all looking for the puck. 
you want to clear it out or you want to push it under your goaltender. But you also have to take the player stick out or take the player out. And the Blues didn't do any of the three. And Fisher gets his fifth goal of the year. Pony gets his third assist. Stepan gets his fifth assist. Two minutes, 59 seconds in, and it's three to one. The fifth goal of the game and the third of the second period was also a massive defensive breakdown. A three-on-one going into the blue zone. The D's trying to get back in there to catch up to him, and not much that Chad Johnson could do on that one. That goal by Cousins would be his second of the year. Stepan gets his sixth assist. Archibald gets his second assist, and it's now four to one. I can't say of how bad this team played in the second period. It may be their worst period all year long. And lastly, but not least, the fourth goal of the second period. They put pressure on, they bring the puck in, they get a close-in shot on Johnson, makes the initial save. Nobody's watching Ponick come in the other side of the net, gets the puck and puts it past Chad Johnson. That would be Ponick's fifth goal of the year. Henestrosa gets his eighth assist. Ekman Larson gets his 12th assist at 17 minutes, two seconds in. Arizona's up 5-1. to one. It was bad. And you know how bad it was? Arizona had 24 shots on goal to the Blues 10 in the second period. They were peppering Chad Johnson. It was like a shooting gallery out there. Not much a guy can do when your team is not backing you up defensively. Did Johnson have a great game? No. But the defense was terrible. The whole team was terrible in this game. Going into the third period, can the Blues make this respectable and at least show up for this and get a couple goals to at least make it a game? Maybe get two goals to make it five or three, give them a chance at the end of the period to come back and win it? No, that didn't happen. In fact, the Coyotes would add to their 5-1 to one lead. Keller, now Keller across, they score! What a setup! Alex Galagoski, the recipient of some serious dangleitis from Clayton Keller. Clayton Keller inside under the stick of Edmondson. He's not done there yet. Dirty toe drag on Baumeister and Goligoski. All he does is put it in a wide open net under the stick, head up the entire way. That goal could have been the most embarrassing goal all night long. Barbashev allows Keller just to skate right by him. Doesn't even move towards him until he's past him then starts skating towards him a little bit, and then Bo Meester doesn't know what to do because he's got Keller coming, and Goligoski's coming on the other side. He hits more towards Keller, hoping he can stop that pass or hoping that Keller's going to take the shot. But Keller gets it past him, puts it on Goligoski's stick, and Goligoski, the former Penguin and Dallas Star, gets the last goal of the game to make this final 6-1. to one. That would be Goligoski's second goal of the year. Keller gets his 10th assist. Schmaltz is working out great there in Arizona. Gets his 12th assist. 14 minutes and 8 seconds in. Let's go ahead and look over the stats. I don't think in this instance they're important. It's nothing positive really here. But let's go ahead and go over it. Shots on goal, 44 for the Coyotes. 26 for the Blues. The Blues won the faceoff battle, 59% to 41%. The Blues were 0 for 2 in the power play. The Coyotes were 1 for 7. The Blues had 31 hits, the Coyotes 13 blocks, the Blues had 15, the Coyotes had 14 giveaways, the Blues had 5, and the Coyotes have 7. Very rarely do you see this happen. In the postgame interviews, there's normally two or three players, and then the coach. Not after this game. 
All we heard from was Ryan O'Reilly and then Coach Berube on the worst played game by the Blues of this year. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, yeah, we that whole first period was just us not being disciplined enough. Sometimes you're not going to get the calls, but you have to find a way at least to, to get out of it. And we didn't, and we just we handed them the game. We gave them momentum, and we just yeah, we were just shorthand and killing. We had no rhythm, and we didn't respond after that first period. It just yeah, that's it's on us. Was there some frustration though over some of the calls or, or no? Yeah, I think there was obviously film, but you know sometimes you don't get them. It doesn't mean you know we still multiple times had ones that we could have avoided, and yeah, we didn't tonight. The uh, for the first few minutes it looked kind of like uh, Colorado, and then the penalties happened, and it looked like did you fall into some as a team into some bad habits then in terms of defense and protecting the net. Yeah, it killed our rhythm. You know, we we started, we had jump, you could feel it. Guys were going, we were we were getting on the forecheck, and then take a penalty, take another penalty, take another one, and through that team you got some skilled players. They're just feeling the puck, they're getting great chances, and they score one. And they're confident, and then you know they loosen up, they start making plays everywhere, and we have no rhythm. We're trying to get back and crawl in and get some something going, and we can't. It's just it's you know it's it's tough to do, but you gotta. You know, we tried, and it wasn't good enough. Especially after the the, the big win last night. I mean, I, you you guys did several guys said, hey, it's just one game. We got to carry it through. Uh, uh, why has the team been unable to maybe carry, you know, stack up some wins, carry, carry through a, a great performance last night? I don't. I wish I had an answer for it. I, I, I don't know what to say. It's, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. Were you guys just that undisciplined, or was it some frustration with well, the calls? I think that it was both. But obviously, we put ourselves in a hole taking seven penalties tonight. It's a big, um, you know, issue with. Losing energy, losing momentum. You know, they just they got all their momentum from it. Yeah, I think they scored only one power play goal. But when you're on the ice and 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 playing your third game, and that's not not the best way to conserve energy. Well, it, it kills the bench, and you know, there's guys that don't kill and they're sitting there and can't get out there and can't get in the flow of things. So we just we never got off to the obviously the right foot. You mentioned uh, this afternoon and even last night that hey, the Colorado game was still. It's just one game. We've got to be able to stack these up, but still, you got to be frustrated with what you saw yeah, tonight. Definitely. I mean, I think um, not only the coaching staff, but the players are frustrated too. We we got to be better. Um, you know, we haven't we haven't played a back-to-back -back game this year yet. Yeah. So how do you regroup back in St. Louis now? Well, we got practice this week before Edmonton. We got a <clears throat> couple of days to practice and regroup and get going again. We've been a pretty good team when we're fresh and we're ready to go. I think, you know, um, we get mentally tired and we're not playing very well when we're mentally tired, and that's got to change. We've got to be smarter. We've got to play a better. We've got to play better games when we're you know don't have the energy and and uh, physically we're not 100 percent. So we've got to be smarter. You guys have heard me talk a lot this year about effort, about lack of playing as a team about guys not showing up. I'm not going to go into that. You all know my thoughts on that. You all know the Blues have played that way this year. 
the part of this post-game interview that upsets me. A lot of the responses were about the penalties. And that upsets me, and here's why. Other teams have seven penalties in a game. They don't give up six goals. Yes, the Blues are thin in the roster, most definitely. Other teams aren't using that as an excuse. You cannot use penalties or a badly refereed game as an excuse when it's a 6-1 to one game. A 2-1 to one game and two or three penalties are called that are really bad, I can understand where you could mention it but not use it as an excuse. A 6-1 to one game, the way this team played, is terrible. Guys not skating. Guys allowing Coyotes players to stand in the net. Get five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten whacks at a puck. Guys not paying attention to open guys coming up the wing. Allowing the Coyotes to skate in freely without being even challenged. That's got nothing to do with penalties. Yeah, you're tired from the night before. Other teams come in and play back to back games, and other teams can win two in a row. Other teams can at least play well enough to be respectable in a back-to-back game and lose but not get blown out in this fashion. Some changes need to be made. My thought is this. You've got guys that aren't showing up. You've got guys that are being lazy. What do you have to lose by bringing some guys up and setting some guys? What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose by bringing up Wallman? What's the worst you could do, lose? Could he make a mistake? God forbid he could make a mistake. Your other defensemen are making mistakes. What's the difference? Give the guy some experience. Send a couple other guys down or sit him. Bring up Costin. Bring up Kairou. See what happens. What do you have to lose at this point? You are the second worst team in the league. Now, I think this team has talent. I don't think it's being coached properly, number one. And I don't think a lot of the guys are showing up. You got guys skating around like it's a pre-skate. This team needs to play strong defensively. Keep the puck out of the front of the net. Limit quality opportunities. Stay with your man. Stay in your lanes. Get the puck out of your end quickly. Don't allow guys to skate around and make plays and make passes. Don't allow guys to get passes so easily. Get shots on goal. Take quality shots. Find the open man to get the puck to. Shoot the puck. Stop making fancy passes. Stop trying to get the perfect shot and put the puck on the net. These guys have played hockey since they were three, four, five, six years old. They know the game. They know what they're supposed to do. They know how they're supposed to do it. They know what kind of effort it takes to be successful in this league. But it's just, for some reason, they've lost it. In my opinion, Doug Armstrong needs to make a move now, right now. Not a month from now, not two weeks from now, not a week from now. If he has a coach or two coaches in mind, He needs to make a move and get them in here as quickly as possible, or this year's over. A lot of people think it's already over. If they don't make any changes, they don't shake this lineup up by bringing some young guys up to see what they can do and setting some veterans that aren't playing well, it it is over. 
but they've got an opportunity to make a change now. Bring in a coach that is not going to put up with this crap, regardless of what contract you have or if you're a veteran. Bring in a coach that's going to sit a guy that's not accountable for the way he's been playing. Bring in a coach that's going to bring up a young guy to replace a veteran that's playing like crap. Bring in a coach that's going to do anything to win. That's what has to be done. I want to thank everybody for joining me. And the words of Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. And of course, let's go Blues. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Drop Podcast. To get more of The Drop, check out our website at droppodcast.com. You can also find us on Google Play, iTunes, and the iHeartRadio app. You can follow us on Instagram at the.drop.podcast or on Twitter at Drop Hockey Show. You can email The Drop Podcast or host Lance DeScott at lanced at droppodcast.com. To find out more about Lineup Media, go to lineupmedia.fm. Until next time, let's go Blues! This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.